For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk, and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three, and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. It is officially passed. The NBA trade deadline has come and gone. Myself, Aaron Johnson, is joined by my good friend Jasper Apollonia to discuss a very, very loud, busy, and interesting deadline for your Detroit Pistons. Jasper, we have just so much to talk about. A lot of moves made. We'll talk about the impact that these moves have on the roster for the rest of this season, and then the implications moving forward in the years to come for Detroit. How are we feeling after what was a busy last couple of days surrounding Detroit? I'm not sure what you mean, Aaron. Did something happen with the Pistons? Uh, yeah, it's it's been an eventful one, I, I believe, uh, since, you know, if we're, if we're counting back even before the deadline, Pistons have moved on from six players they brought six new players in uh that's not even including the two players that were waived today as well by detroit uh on top of the ones that have left the roster so definitely been an eventful trade deadline look tom gore's promised changes uh we certainly got them uh maybe not some of the changes that pistons fans were hoping for in terms of the front office but changes nonetheless yeah yeah, definitely a lot of changes made, and I think it's interesting because it feels like some have essentially no impact and others feel rather significant, but I guess that's what happens when you're a team that has six wins and has to start making moves to try to salvage your jobs and your season and your future ahead, but there is a not lot. Not six, not six. That's right, seven, seven now. You can't forget, Let, yeah. and let's, let's, we should start off by saying last night's, or two nights ago, uh, in from when this podcast will be released. Uh, probably the Pistons, not probably, definitely the Pistons' best win of the season. Certainly their best game of the season. Uh, that was a lot of fun, I, I will say. So I got to give them credit. It's seven, Without a doubt. Uh, Without a doubt, their best win. Yeah, yeah, no question. I wish, I wish we could game. talk about it more uh, because I'd love to talk about the way Jade and Ivy played, uh, the way that this team looked with proper spacing on the court, uh, there was a lot of good things that happened, and, and the Pistons earned a, a, a tough win out on the road, out west, against a good Sacramento team who they blew the lead to, similarly to when they played earlier this year at Little Caesars Arena. But then the Pistons this time were actually able to turn things back around, retake the lead, and put Sacramento away. Unfortunately, I think that's where we're going to table the discussion on that game, just because there's so much to get into. And before we get into that, I want to talk about a, a few things first. First off, if you haven't yet, we need you to go subscribe to palaceofpistons.com, our weekly newsletter and non-weekly newsletter that comes out. We're dropping stuff on a weekly basis when trades come out, when opinions are written about. We've got a lot coming to you via our newsletter, so we really need you to go over and subscribe. Get that stuff directly to your inbox, your email inbox. Head over to palaceofpistons.com and subscribe. Wherever you're listening to the show, please take a moment. Watch it on YouTube like the show, leave us a comment, tell us what you think. If you're listening on Apple, leave us a review, 
all that good stuff. It really, really helps the show. Follow us on Spotify, wherever you're listening. We definitely need your support as we continue to grow the Palace Pistons brand. And before we finally do get into the trade deadline talk, I do want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The big game is finally here. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. With dozens of odds, props, and info on hundreds of sports, events, politics, and entertainment, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, trade deadline time. It's over. It's come and gone. The Pistons made plenty of moves, as we have alluded to. I guess you can kind of look back to last month when they acquired Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala for Isaiah Livers and Marvin Bagley as the first trade. I don't think we necessarily need to talk about that today as we've kind of shared our opinions on that already. But let's get to the stuff that's happened in the last 48 hours for Detroit. The first move being a trade out of nowhere with the Utah Jazz. The Pistons acquired forward Simone Fontecchio, an Italian who... We here as a couple of Italians on the podcast, all three of us, if Mike were here, very, very proud of Simone Fontecchio. He is now a Detroit Piston. The Pistons sent over Kevin Knox, a second round pick, and the draft rights to, unfortunately, another Italian, Gabriele Procida, who was a 2021 second round pick by the Detroit Pistons. I guess let's just break this down move by move. Uh, There's definitely some overarching things that we need to talk about. Uh, once we go through all of these trades. But let's start with this Fontecchio trade. I mean, I, I think this was a, a really solid move for the Pistons, just in short, to start things off. A 28 years old, plays either forward spot, shoots the ball very well, is you know maybe not going to be known for his defense, but certainly holds his own on that side of the court. Uh, it's going to be a pretty seamless transition bringing in Fontecchio. And, and I don't think this was necessarily a short-term move. Jasper, he's a, a, a restricted free agent entering this offseason. Seems like a guy the Pistons purchased, traded to acquire for uh, with the idea of bringing him in and locking him down long term. Yeah, there's no question in my mind. They wouldn't have made this move if they didn't think that Simone Fontecchio was a guy that they could bring back during this offseason uh, as a restricted free agent. I think he'll be available for a pretty reasonable price. And, um, you know, that's that's something that they will have the ability to decide on, regardless of whether he gets signed to an offer sheet or not. Um, like you said, I, I mean, really good three-point shooter this year for the Jazz. He's been a, a – and this is why I think it's kind of out of nowhere, is that he has been a very useful part of a team that looks to be making a playoff push once again. So a little surprising from the jazz perspective, but for the Pistons, I think this was an excellent move. Um, they set themselves up really well to, to get a solid three point shooter, decent defender, not a young guy. He is 28, but young enough. Uh, I, I like this move in a vacuum and also in terms of just what it means for the Pistons moving forward as they try and get out from under what has just been the worst roster in the NBA. One of the worst rosters in NBA history this year. Um, you know, whether it's talent, which I don't think it is so much as much as it is roster construction. And like you said, we do need to talk about each one of these moves individually, but they, there, there is also a lot of context behind these moves as well even if they don't seem like earth-shattering moves that really you know change a lot of things for the Pistons I think the Fontecchio move is is a perfect example it is something that while you know he's definitely going to slot into Detroit's rotation also shows a shift in what GM Troy Weaver is doing with this roster um and basically an admission of, of failure for this last offseason and the season before that, you could even argue. Yeah, look, I, I think the first thing you have to start at with this trade is is the price point that the Pistons got from Tecchio for. I mean, it, it, it reminds me of the trade that they made with Utah just a few seasons ago or the beginning of last season to get Boyan Bogdanovich. I mean, they gave up Kelly Olenek, who – at the time was injured and hadn't helped the team in the previous season. So he didn't really know what his role was going to be. 
and they gave up who was the other guard that they gave up it was someone oh Saban Lee come on now right so someone that didn't even uh, stay on their roster uh, Kelly Olenek by the way who did fetch a first round pick during this trade deadline while Boyan Bogdanovich did not yeah it's funny figure that out um but the price was so minimal right I think the biggest thing you gave away was this second round pick uh, unfortunately, as, as much as we like to kind of joke about it, Gabriele Prochita was probably never coming over and probably still won't ever come over to the NBA. Uh, it just kind of falls in Troy Weaver's history of not really doing anything with any of his second round picks, whether he's drafting guys to stash away with no intention of bringing them over or drafting guys that are uh, friends of uh, of his that he knows, uh, a.k.a. Luca Garza. Um but the price was the price was right for Fontacchio, and he's going to help this team. And I think it's very clear that he's going to help this team, especially after the moves that followed this trade. So I, I like Fontacchio. I'm curious to see what that number uh, is going to look like when they try to extend him this offseason. Again, he's 28, so it's he's not young. This is only a second season in the NBA. I will say I watched a fair amount of Jazz games last year and again this year. Uh, I don't know why they were a league pass team last year for me, and I just really enjoyed watching them. Uh, Larry Markin was a, a really nice draw, and Fontacchio is a much better player this year. I think there's a, a new comfort level uh, playing at the NBA level right now compared to last season, and the the efficiency numbers are there, the way he fits in. like it's He is kind of that classic European-type player, shoots the ball well, isn't super athletic, but he fights and competes on defense, and I think that's going to surprise some people as well. So I, I'm, I'm a big proponent, big fan of the Fantecchio trade. Jasper, anything else on that trade before we move on to the next one? Yeah, I'm going to double down on what you just said there about him improving despite not really being what you'd think of as a young player. He was really bad defensively last year, and I think this year he has absolutely stepped up his game on that end. He looks way more comfortable. He looks like a real NBA role player. He's the kind of guy that, like, I don't know what the number's going to be, but I would probably be comfortable, you know, giving him a, a Marvin Bagley-type contract uh, during this offseason. Um, shoot, we don't really know how the rotation's going to turn out, but there is a chance that he is a starter, uh, especially while Isaiah Stewart is out of the lineup for at least another week, probably. Uh, it's not inconceivable that two of the guys that Detroit traded for today are in that starting lineup, and at least one of them is most likely going to stay as well. So totally agree with you on, on Fontecchio. Uh, I think it was a really good pickup. Numbers got to be right, um, but he has improved, and I think he still has a little bit more room for growth as well when you integrate him into the Piston system. Yeah, I, we're going to talk about the lineups and the rotation later on in the show. I'm, I'm very interested to see where that conversation goes because – uh, we have been talking to our followers on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, and definitely a wide variance of uh, discussion on that topic. So interested to see your thoughts on that later on in the show. Let's move on to the next move that the Pistons made. They made this deal uh, on Wednesday as well when they traded Monte Morris to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and a 2030 second round pick owned by the Wolves. Uh, This is not a significant move for Detroit in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Brown and Milton are both expiring contracts, meaning that they will be unrestricted free agents this offseason. It is money that is going to be off of the Pistons books as they head into free agency. I think the biggest piece in the deal for Detroit is the 2030 second rounder as funny as that is considering that that eventual pick right now is probably sitting in biology class at some middle school across the globe somewhere. Um, But Monte Morris only played six games for the Pistons was out for, you know, the first 40 something games with a right quad injury. Uh, His tenure was felt was filled with some cryptic tweets. There was uh, a point in time earlier this year, when he was supposed to come back or ramping things up. And then it just kind of went quiet on that front. And then the quick cryptic tweets came about from him about being back and whatnot. He's gone after six games. It was a big deal when the Pistons got him because he's a Flint, uh, Michigan native. So it was a, a hometown 
reunion of sorts. And there was a lot of talk about how excited he was to be back, but that reunion doesn't really last all that long as Morris, who was once thought to be a key acquisition for Detroit last off season coming in and being a potential big time backup guard for this team now shipped out for expiring contracts in a second round pick just six drafts away. Yeah, I, I will say, I believe actually both Troy Brown Jr. and uh, Shake Milton do have team options for next year. So wh- while they could be gone, I, I don't think it's inconceivable that one or even perhaps both of them uh, plays their way into having that option picked up for next season. Um, I, yeah, I, this one was... Uh, definitely not a significant move let's be honest it's not like Monte Morris has had a big impact on this team um Melton will probably go into the backcourt along with um Marcus Sasser coming off the bench which is a bit of a weird second unit uh Troy Brown Jr it's harder to see where he exactly fits into the rotation but he is a solid three-point shooter uh, I don't think that it's inconceivable he plays his way somewhere into this starting lineup or or even the Pistons' longer-term plans, at, at least as like, you know, an 11th guy off the bench, something like that role. 2020, 2030 for uh, second rounder. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you have your eye on any really, really talented sixth graders, Aaron? I really don't have much to say about something like that. That's the kind of pick that it feels like it just gets offloaded for cash at some point or aggregated as part of some other deal um, in a year or two. This was a pretty minimal deal, and unfortunately, that's probably all they could have expected uh, for Monte Morris if they did want something in return. So I don't really have any strong feelings about this this acquisition either way, other than the Pistons backup guard situation is going to get really interesting um and one of those things we always talk about with monty williams about staggering minutes with kate cunningham and Jaden ivy now does seem even more potentially um important than ever uh in his unwillingness to do so yeah just to clarify uh both brown and milton's contracts are non-guaranteed for next year so i guess they could technically be back i guess i just was just imagining that they would not pick up those those contracts and that they go into unrestricted free agency. I guess they could come back after that maybe, uh, but I'd imagine Detroit will want to go into free agency with as clear of a cap sheet as possible, considering we're hearing there's big moves on the horizon. But looking at the next deal for Detroit, I think you have to, again, temper your expectations as they traded a heavily protected second round pick to the Philadelphia 76ers for Daniel House and a 2024 second rounder. Uh, So the Pistons get New York's 2024 second round pick in this deal. They did waive Daniel House uh, shortly after acquiring him in this deal. And so it's a pretty much just getting a a second round pick for taking on Daniel house into a trade exception that the Pistons had. And then they subsequently waived him because they had at one point, 19 guys on the roster uh, heading into or heading out of the deadline. So they had to waive him and he is reportedly going to be, uh, be recruited by multiple contending teams as the buyout market begins. Um, but any real thoughts on this trade? I guess it, it's it's good the Pistons used that TPE to get an extra pick, but really not all that important in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, another one. I mean, even I, I think a 2024 second round pick is something I might be a little bit more excited about if, again, like you said at the top of the show, Troy Weaver had shown any inclination or ability to acquire useful NBA players there. I mean, we're four years in. He has not acquired a single usable um, second-round pick so far, uh, which is almost shocking considering how the NBA goes these days. Uh, House, honestly, I'm a little surprised that, you know, he he wasn't a factor for Detroit. He is a player that I think I'd rather have on my team than 
say Malachi Flynn or Ryan or, or you know a Malachi Flynn or or James Wiseman or I think you could even make the argument for Troy Brown Jr. But it's a minimal thing either way. He might have said, "Hey, I don't want to go to Detroit. Please buy me out. You need to buy out somebody anyway." Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what happens uh, with Detroit moving forward. But this is not one of those moves that that really moves the needle either way. Good on Troy Weaver for for basically picking up a free second round pick. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, Aaron, as as much as uh, I was going to say, as much as I think some of our listeners I started talking. prefer to have you on mute, too, I, I would like to hear what you have to say. I, you know what? I was working sources on the phone and uh, muted myself because I was reading and typing and uh, didn't want to start just talking to myself out loud. But I am back now. And I'll, what, what I'll say on this is it's good to get something for free. It's good to get an asset for free. And that's what... Uh, the Pistons do here moving into the biggest trade of the day for Detroit. And honestly, was it the biggest trade of the deadline today across the league? Because DeJounte Murray wasn't moved. Zach Levine wasn't moved. Uh, and there was no other major, major trades that I can really think of, but this is the big move, at least for the Pistons and the New York Knicks. What was originally announced as Quentin Grimes going to the Pistons along with a pair of second-round picks for Alec Burks ended up spiraling into a much bigger deal. And here are the full details. The Pistons acquired Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Ryan Archie Diakono, and two second-round picks from New York for Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. My opinion on this trade immediately swayed upon the expansion of it. I was thrilled with the return for Alec Burks when it was originally reported as a Grimes in two seconds for Burks deal. Then more reports started trickling out that the Pistons and Knicks were still talking about Bogdanovich and that a trade could still be made. And within the next 15 to 20 minutes, Bogdanovich was included in the deal and Everyone was like, okay, what are the Pistons getting back for Bogdanovich? And it was pretty much just matching salary. Uh, the Pistons did not get the 2024 first-round pick of theirs that's currently owned by the New York Knicks. Why that matters, a lot of people are like, why would the Pistons need to get that first-round pick back? They're going to have a pick this year anyway. It's a protected first-round pick through, I believe, 2028 meaning the Pistons cannot trade a first-round pick until after the draft lottery each year until or through 2028, pardon me. So it was important to get that back for flexibility to move, let's say the Pistons wanted to move their 2025 first-round pick this summer in a deal. They can't do that right now because that pick is currently owned by the New York Knicks until it conveys into a first-round pick that year. Or once it falls off those protections, it turns into a couple second-round picks. So that's the entire breakdown. But the hope was that the Pistons were going to get that back. I actually made a TikTok on Palace Pistons. Follow us there on TikTok as well. About a week or, week or so ago, putting essentially this trade together. It was what I proposed was Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, Ryan Archie Diakono, and Detroit's first-round pick that New York owns for Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. And was pretty close. And I would have much preferred that trade for Detroit rather than these two second-round picks that I believe were reported to be 2028 and 2029 second-round picks that are owned that are New York's themselves. They're not any other teams. They're, they're the Knicks' 20 and 29 second-round picks. So probably not going to be very valuable with where New York is heading. A ton of cap space this summer to make another big move, bringing a superstar to a team that's already nine very good deep right now. 
this trade for me and uh, on the Pistons side, I just can't fathom not being able to get a first-round pick out of Bogdanovich and Burks. Uh, Quentin Grimes is a good player. I'm very excited about Quentin Grimes, 23 years old, 6'5", 3-and-D type guy. is going to come in and certainly play minutes for Detroit. But how do you not get a first-round pick when this team has reportedly turned down trade offers in the past of two first-round picks for Boyan Bogdanovich? You add Alec Burks to that, and you can't get a first? I, I just... It's 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 difficult for me to grasp. I mean, it, you, you you did the Knicks a huge favor in this deal, it, it feels like. I mean, yes, you got Grimes back, but other than that, what do you have to show for it? They've already rate waived Ryan Archie Diacono. Evan Fournier is probably not going to see the court because he's just kind of fallen off in terms of his value in the NBA level. And neither is Malachi Flynn. So I just don't I don't really get it. I was okay with moving on from Burks and Bogdanovich, but you had to get something for it. And I just feel like the Pistons got pennies on the dollars. And and there's something funny about this too, because it's the Knicks 2028 and 2029 second rounders, which if the Detroit pick does not convey as a first rounder means that basically the Knicks are going to get those second rounders back from Detroit via Detroit and just swap second round picks. So those second rounders in a lot of ways don't even matter. Like they're a total wash, um, which I I do think is funny. This is where we have to really start getting into, I think more of the nitty gritty of everything surrounding this trade deadline and why the Pistons are here and exactly, you know, why this trade does look the way it does. Um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm happy to get back Grimes. I anticipate that he's probably going to be in the starting lineup. He's, he's a very good defender, very quick feet, tries very hard on that end. Um, you know, he shot 40% from three on his catch and shoot threes last year. He's at 37% this year. He definitely seems like a guy that fits in next to Cade, Ivy, Isaiah Stewart, and uh, Jalen Duran, especially if you're committing to that two-big lineup. Like, I think it makes sense to have a guy like Grimes out there who can take care of the opposing team's best perimeter player on a lot of nights. Um, and you put, can put, you know, Cade Cunningham on, you know, their maybe their second, you know, their, their biggest guy on the perimeter um, at, at the same time while hiding him a little bit defensively. I think that works. The thing here is exactly what you said. Why are they not getting anything back for Boyan Bogdanovich um, and Alec Burks, really other than Quentin Grimes, a guy who has fallen out of the rotation for the most part. He's playing 20 minutes a game, but you know Tom Thibodeau definitely soured on him this year for the Knicks. Um, this certainly, in my opinion, makes the Knicks a lot better. I know people are going to say, "Oh, well, they're going to, you know, teams are going to hunt Bogdanovich and Burks in the playoffs." Perhaps so, but those guys can really fill up the the basket, and it's not like they're, you know, the the cornerstones of the franchise here. They have other guys that they can go to. They have really good rim protectors in Hartenstein and, and you know Mitchell Robinson. Um, the, the Knicks are going to be a okay. This this is a good deal for for New York. For Detroit, what it comes down to is the continued asset mismanagement of Troy Weaver and his inability to find the best value possible uh, because he just simply put overvalues his own players. We saw it with Jeremy Grant where he wanted multiple first round picks back for Jeremy Grant, didn't get them. We now have seen it with Bogdanovich. Whether a team offered multiple first round picks or not is irrelevant. Um he was he expected multiple second round picks back and he didn't get it uh alec burks i I mean what did alec burks really get you in in this deal did he get you the two second round picks and then you basically just traded bogdanovich for for grimes and, and cat filler like you said they did the knicks a huge favor here as well because burks is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year and bogdanovich while he is slated to make 20 million dollars next year his contract is only guaranteed for $2 million. So if the Knicks don't like what's going on, they can just move on from both of those guys, no problem. And now they are another team that in free agency can compete with Detroit a little bit for role players. 
Um, so I think like here, this is just a, a total Troy Weaver disaster class. And we can talk about how the team is now set up better than they were. And I don't think that there's any question about that from, from either of us. A lot of these moves are just setting up exactly what we were begging for from before this season, during last season. Can I right? interject real quickly right there? Please. You said it. this team is better constructed to move forward now. And my response to that is, who put them in this position in the first place? Who made these moves in the first place that put Detroit in such, such a disadvantageous spot? It's, it's the guy that's been making all the moves today and yesterday. Yep. Troy Weaver. Yep. And, and, and that's the hardest thing for me to grasp is Troy Weaver's kind of, I think over the last few days, had to, to admit some mistakes, admit some failures in his process over the years. Joe Paris, Morris, Killian Hayes. But there's still multiple failures on the roster. James Wiseman. I, I, I I like Isaiah Stewart, and he he can be a good NBA player, but for what he is being asked to be and how he's being utilized in Detroit, that project has been a failure. And it's just like, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. The guy's still here making the moves. And I just don't get it. Because, yeah, like, Troy set the price of two firsts for Bogdanovich, even if that is a super high asking price, you couldn't get one and a good young player to also put while also giving Alec Burks alongside him. Alec Burks, who's averaged, I think, like 20 points in the last month and is shooting 40, 50 percent from the three point line. You couldn't get an, a first and a, and a decent young player like Grimes is a good young player. Yes, but we also have to be real. He wasn't in the in, really in the rotation for New York. He was getting. 10, 12, 15 minutes a night, maybe, had lost his starting spot from earlier in the season. The three-point shooting has regressed a little bit in terms of efficiency, and maybe that's just because of the role he's been in. And it, it's just, you know, I talked to, when I interviewed Spencer Dinwiddie years ago, he talked a lot about how the role that a player plays affects their shooting percentages. And when you're playing in blowouts and you're playing in these garbage minutes, your shooting numbers look worse. And, and maybe that's something that's happening to, to Quentin Grimes. But it's like you didn't trade... Burks and Bogdanovich for this super, super highly valued young player. You got a decent young player, but like you didn't, you didn't get a, a, a great young piece. He's going to help, but I just, I don't understand how this happens. How do you misallocate your assets so much? And, and this is also one of those things where it's like, even when Troy Weaver makes what in, in a vacuum might look like a decent move for the Pistons. It's always better for the other team in the end, right? Like New York came out of this trade better than Detroit did period. E even if you do think Detroit improved and, and that's not what evaluating trades is all about. Just like, how does it look on paper? Who won on paper? We know that there's more that goes into that. Like how does, how does a player fit? What does a team need? Sometimes you got to overpay because it actually makes you better to lose the more talented player since the less talented player fits into what you are asking of them and what you need on your roster more. We are both perfectly aware of that. But yes, this is this whole trade deadline to me has been a repudiation of Troy Weaver's process, a, a repudiation of everything that he has been building these last four years. It, he had to admit failure because he did fail. And I think you just saw, and this is where we should talk about two of the other guys that Detroit waived in Joe Harris and Killian Hayes today, those are failures as well. Monte Morris, Joe Harris. Those were Detroit's two big, big off-season acquisitions. They are now gone for nothing, for basically nothing. Like, you got two guys from Minnesota and a 2030, I can't even say it, it's that far away, second-round pick, for Monte Morris because basically it's a it's a cap thing like you're just freeing up more cap space more most likely for next year same thing goes for Hayes like there's just not enough space on the roster for him no
Nobody even wanted him for like a late second round pick. You couldn't find another garbage lottery team that'd be like, you know what, maybe we can make something out of him. No, nobody wanted him. Joe Harris, you just ate that for like a second round pick, which let's be honest, like what are you going to do with that second round pick? This is the entire issue with what Troy Weaver has done. Yes, I think we can now start talking about the lineups. I think the lineups make a lot more sense. I think that now you're at a place where you can actually start evaluating your young talents in in Cade, Ivy, Durin, Asar, and yes, to a lesser extent still, Isaiah Stewart and even Quentin Grimes. But you wasted 50 games to get there. You wasted 50 games of this season fielding the worst roster, one of the worst rosters, in the history of the league. They are most likely not going to set, I think, the all-time loss record. I think that they have probably avoided that with their moves at the deadline, as well as Gallinari and Mascala. But what they have done up until this point is completely, completely fail to actual get, actually get an evaluation period for those young guys. They have failed to surround them with the type of players that they need in order to succeed. And what you've done is you've wasted more than half of the most important season in your evaluation process, especially for Cade Cunningham, who, as we have said, is extension eligible this offseason. You have wasted their time. You have embarrassed the city of Detroit. You've embarrassed this fan base. It's, it is almost impossible to like talk about this trade deadline positively without also bringing up just how abysmal it is that this trade deadline had to happen in the way it did. That you had to bring in six new players and and lose six players from your roster. Like that's how badly they fit. More than a third of the roster is gone in the last, what, two and a half weeks. More than a third of it. I just think that right there just tells you everything you need to know about how this rebuild has gone. Are they on a better path? Yes. But the fact that they got to this point, wow, what an indictment of this front office. It's like they're trying to dig themselves out of the grave that they had dug for themselves laid themselves to rest and covered themselves up in Aaron, uh, one of my favorite piss um, favorite Simpsons lines, the end of a s- episode where they're digging a hole, trying to get out of it. Chief Wiggum goes, dig up stupid. That's what this, this team feels like dig up stupid. It, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. And I, and I think this is a good opportunity to kind of move into the, some of the, the more overarching conversations after the deadline. First, first things first, you already kind of mentioned it. Uh, with Monte Morris gone, the Pistons also waived Joe Harris. Those two were the pretty much only two moves outside of drafting Asar Thompson and Marcus Sasser of the Pistons offseason last year. Goes to show you that, that was just an absolute disaster of an offseason. Uh, we were told both of those guys would be key veterans for this team. They were not, and the uh, results were as anticipated by those here. Just an abject disaster that the Pistons did what they did last year with the Nets, essentially doing a favor for Brooklyn, uh, making taking themselves out of the Cam Johnson sweepstakes. Not that I even wanted them to go after Cam Johnson, but but using their cap space to do a favor for another team to retain Cam Johnson. And, and six months later, whatever it is, you have to waive him because he can't give you minutes. He played last night against Portland for, what, six to eight minutes? He hadn't played since January 15th before that. Um, just an ab- absolute disaster that I think cannot get overlooked, and that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say this is a team trying to dig themselves out of a grave that they dug that they dug and placed themselves in. Um, that's the biggest problem, and then I think if you go back even further, Troy Weaver had to Take another uh, admittance of failure by waving Killian Hayes. The first pick he made for this team in the draft, the draft that he traded multiple picks and players to get extra picks in, 
And his first pick was Killian Hayes. His first move as the general manager outside of trading Bruce Brown, which was a terrible decision as well. And he drafted Killian Hayes as a Killian Hayes uh, fan at the time or someone that was saying to draft him. I have to admit, as I always do, I was pro-taking Killian Hayes, but I'm not the one making millions of dollars as an NBA general manager. But he took Killian Hayes over Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain, plenty of players in that 2021 class that have been good, great, or serviceable. And Killian Hayes is four years into his career, was unable to fetch Detroit even a second-round pick at the deadline. Oh, and by the way, Killian Hayes started against the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, started last night. Started on, on started against the Sacramento Kings. He's waived less than 24 hours later. How many times in NBA history has that ever happened? I don't want to speak for a player, but I think it was a little on the nose when Jaden Ivey, as soon as the Killian Hayes news came out, took to Instagram and posted a photo. And the photo was of him and Kate Cunningham with a Bible verse. And I don't have the Bible Bible verse pulled up, but it, it was about, in a way, waiting for something to come to you and you will, you know, eventually get what is yours or something along those lines uh, as a man of faith. It's probably bad that I don't know the verse that's on me, but um, I think that was a little on the nose. Some people are certainly reading into it and saying that that was a shot at Killian Hayes. Uh, there were the Pistons players were quick to respond to the post as well. Cade Cunningham commented Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart did as well. Last I had seen. So, I don't know. Just thought I'd bring that up because it was certainly a topic making its making its rounds uh, across the Pistons community on X. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But let's talk about lineups now. I think this is the last real interesting thing to talk about. Uh, we will we won't get to see these players against the Blazers, obviously Thursday night. Um, you might see someone like Fontecchio on Saturday. I, I don't know if you'll get the guys from New York or Minnesota in by then, but Let's talk about, after these guys get in, what this rotation looks like for Monty Williams and the Detroit Pistons. Now, I have my thoughts. I will start with what I anticipate the Pistons will go with, and then I'll turn it over to you for your opinion. Here's what I think the Pistons will do. I think Cade and, Ivy, Cade and Jade and Ivy will be in the backcourt together. And then following them, Jalen Duran at center. And I think at the three and four spot, they're going to go Fontecchio and Stewart. That's what I, if I had to guess, if I had to make a selection, if I had to make a pick, that's what I'd imagine the Pistons would do. I'll let you say what you think it should be, give your reasoning, give your explanation, and then I'll say what what I think it should be if, if there's any disagreements. I, I mean, I, I touched on it a little bit at the beginning of, of this podcast. Um, I, I think it's going to be Grimes. I just think he's a superior defender. You have two, two bigs in Stewart and Duran. You know, Fontecchio is and he has improved on the defensive end. He's not a great defender by any means, and he's certainly not a great perimeter defender at this point. He does provide you a little bit more in terms of, like, interior. Uh, I just think Grimes' activity, his foot speed, quickness, um, I just think that, and also not to to mention that, like, he is a very good uh, catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, um, I, I also think that it opens up more in terms of like bench minutes. That makes sense. I, I think putting Fontecchio who can create a little bit more for himself than Quentin Grimes can on the bench makes a little bit more sense as well, because, you know, then you're not going super small um, with, with Sasser and uh, uh, shake uh, next to Grimes, Asar and Mike Muscala. Like, I just think it makes a little bit more sense to have that continuation of two larger guys on your bench, two larger guys in your lineup, and, you know, mix and match as you will. 
as much as I also, though, would love to see more Asar Thompson at the four minutes, I just think that those lineups like make a little bit more sense for me. I wouldn't be shocked to see Fontecchio in the starting lineup, but I also just think like for what you gave up for him versus what you gave up for Grimes, I think that kind of says uh, a decent amount about like where both those guys stand in your future at least in the eyes of the front office. I think there might be a little bit of issues. Um, you know, Grimes is only 6'5", but, like, Kate is bigger, and Jaden Ivey is not tiny himself either, so I think there's still enough size defensively in that starting lineup um, to, to go with Grimes there. Uh, if I had to guess, I think that's how it's going to work out. Um, and, by the way, uh, this is a total aside, but a lot of people I saw saying, oh, why didn't they, they waive James Wiseman? They only have two other bigs on the roster, uh, at least guys that they are willing to play at center because we know they won't do it with Isaiah Stewart. So, you know, if something happens to one of Muscala or Durin, I think Wiseman there is, you know, only as a total break in case of emergency option, whereas the Pistons are pretty set at the guard guard position right now. So just wanted to mention that as well for anybody that might be wondering our thoughts on that. Which I'll make a point on Durin here. Uh, they don't. They did not waive Durin, and I get what you're saying. But at the same time, you mean I Wiseman. Sorry, you said Durin. sorry. Sorry, Wiseman. Yes. Sorry. I. I. They didn't waive Wiseman, and yet I look at the Sacramento game on Wednesday night, and I look at the Pistons having eleven healthy players, eleven active guys. They go ten deep. The only guy that doesn't play is James Wiseman, and that to me says a lot. You have 11 guys. You're playing Danilo Gallinari, who, from what I'm understanding, uh, you know, by the time this episode drops tomorrow morning, we may have more news on it. But he's listed as not with the team on the injury report. He's out for the Portland game on Thursday night. It sounds like he's on his way out. Whether it's via buyout, he was in trade talks uh, with the Lakers earlier. But if I had to guess, it sounds like he's on his way out. Might have more news on that. By the time this episode drops, it might be official, whatever, but he's not listed with the team. So you'd have to imagine that there's something going on there. Which means they're running, what, eight guys tonight? Yeah, I don't know how they're going to feel oh, an active God. roster. They're, they're bringing <laughs> up Jared Roden and Stanley Amude, it sounds like, from the Motor City Crews. But it's going to be a, a messy game. It does sound like Cade's going to play. It's probable. We'll see. Obviously, that game's going to already happen by the time you're listening to this. So you guys will know before, uh, as you hear this. But Wiseman can't even get in when you have 10, 11 active guys, and one of those guys is about to be off the team. Two of those guys, three of those guys, Killian, Harris, and Gallinari. But just another uh, failure that Troy Weaver has, has made. And, well, he hasn't eaten this one yet. I guess we'll see if he does this offseason when Wiseman enters restricted free agency. But going back to my lineup, this is what I would do. I would start Cunningham and Ivy together in the backcourt, obviously. By the way, Quick plug, Jasper wrote an incredible breakdown on Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. If they fit together, if they can play together, if that's the backcourt of the future for the Pistons long-term. On palaceofpistons.com, highly, highly, highly encourage you, if you have some time, to go check that out. It's a really, really good piece. The numbers are incredible in it. Jasper's a very talented writer, so please go read that. But I have Cunningham and Ivey in the backcourt together. And then I'm starting Asar Thompson and Simone Fontecchio. If it were me, I think the fit is a little, it's a little questionable with, with Thompson and Duran on the court together, but I think you at least have to try it. I think with, so with, with where you're at in the season, Sar Thompson has to be given more responsibility. You know, we, we Monty Williams talked about Asar Thompson being a snub from the rising stars game that at all-star weekend. And immediately I thought of, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. It's the guy that's saying that he was a snub. My, Sar Thompson's minutes has have decreased over time in Detroit. He has to be on the court more. One way to do that is to just force him into the starting lineup, at least to start. You know, if you want to get uh, Quentin Grimes in there at some point, though there will be time by the end of the season. Uh, I think the Pistons could use Sar Thompson's size, using him as a point of attack defender, uh, obviously the shooting is a concern. The spacing is a concern, but if you put Fontacchio out there, Asar can still cut to the basket, play in the dunker spot a little bit with Dern running pick and rolls. 
I think you have to at least give it a, a, a chance. Um, I guess you can start Grimes over uh, Asar as well. I have to imagine they're going to go back to Stewart at some point when he's healthy. I don't know if it'll be right away. It's not what I would do very adamantly against starting Stewart and Duran together. Stewart's best minutes have come at the five this season. It's looked good for Detroit, but Jasper, something you pointed out in your piece playing Cunningham, Ivy, Stewart, and Duran, the numbers haven't looked bad either in very, very limited minutes. So I think the Pistons will go back to it, but what I would do to start, especially with, with Stewart still out and I'm anticipating he will be out uh, even once those guys are at least initially getting here uh, after all the trades are have gone through and the physicals are passed. I would start Cunningham, Ivy, uh, Asar, Fontecchio, Duran, Sasser coming off the bench, which I think this is an interesting point. If Gallinari is moved off of the team, this would technically open up a roster spot for Detroit. Do we see them go out and get another guard? Because I look at their guards now, and they might need to actually go get one. It's Cunningham, Ivy, and then their last ball handler is Marcus Sasser. Uh, they might need to go get another guard that, worst comes to worst, break glass in case of emergency can be a point guard for a little bit. So that's another subtopic might have more news on that. Uh, if the Pistons do officially do something with Gallinari and are in the buyout market for someone or, or sign someone to some 10, what 10 days or, you know, something like that, bring a guy up from a two-way contract. Maybe Jared Roden makes sense as a guard, but getting back to the point there, Sasser uh, in the second unit with Grimes. And then after that, you have Mike Muscala, you have Isaiah Stewart in my rotation. And then the last guy, I guess, is do you do you prefer Shake Milton? Do you prefer Troy Brown Jr.? It's, uh, I guess, doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, I don't think either guy is, is really making a, a major impact for this team. So you can go with whichever you think is, is the best fit. You probably want, uh, you know, a guy that can defend and shoot a little bit. I don't know if either are necessarily going to be great at that, but you'd, you'd imagine Troy Brown Jr. could could give you some of it with his size. So we'll we'll see there. But that's how I would kind of lay out the rotation. Uh, it's not great, but we'll see. It's new pieces that the Pistons are going to have to integrate. They're trying to play, what, six new guys, and a couple of those guys I can't imagine are going to be in the rotation. It, probably one of Brown or Milton aren't going to be in the rotation. And then it doesn't sound like Malachi Flynn. Well, I guess I can't say it doesn't sound. I can't imagine Malachi Flynn being in the rotation. So maybe actually you don't need to go get another ball handler because I forgot about Flynn. I guess Flynn could be your your break glass in case of emergency guard. But I can't imagine he will be uh, in, in Detroit's rotation to, to, to start out. But that's that's my rotation after the trade deadline for the Pistons. Yeah, I, here's – look, and there's still issues with this – with whatever combination you throw out there, right? But, and I will say this, at least it is an NBA roster. It is not a good NBA roster, but it is an NBA roster uh, with actual NBA players on it, which I don't think you could say um, for the majority of this season. Like, there were multiple players getting significant playing time. One of them getting playing time over Jaden Ivey, of all people, um, that likely are not going to be in the NBA next year. Or if they are, they are going to be as the 14th, 15th man uh, coming off the bench. So uh, from that perspective, regardless of however you put it together, it is going to be better. It is going to be better than it was earlier on this season. And I think we have to acknowledge that at the very least. I think my issues with your lineup is like, I, I don't really see the ball handling for the second unit if you bring Grimes in as your shooting guard next to Sasser. I think that those guys are a little redundant. They're they're both players that, you know, like to get their catch and shoots. Uh, Sasser is more of a pull-up guy, though, than, than Quentin Grimes is, so maybe a little less overlap, but, like, I just see them as being very similar there. Shake is not a guy that I am – is a point guard, nor the, would I trust to handle the, the ball full-time – but I could see him having kind of like a Alec Burks it last year more kind of role where they played him a little bit at point guard. It wasn't good, but like you could at least throw him out there to handle the ball a little bit. Sort of split playmaking duties with Sasser, although neither guy can really make plays for other people all that well. So like there, there's going to be issues no matter how you put it together. 
Um, I, I just think with like Fontecchio in the starting lineup, I just think it's like not enough quickness, especially from your bigs and your forward. I also will say I don't think this would be a real issue if Monty Williams would stagger get more with the times and just stagger Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivy, something that we've talked about for a while now. Yep. Uh, I don't know how many NBA coaches are still doing full on five man rotations starters, but, but he does. So you have to think about your rotations yeah, in that way. That's you how you I mean? approach this. Unfortunately, like, like as an analyst, you have to assume that he's still going to be running these all bench lineups out there. So I think you, like you said, like, yeah, if, if he would stagger those minutes, you could change up that starting lineup a little bit more effectively. You go, okay, you know, we'll keep, we'll, we'll take Ivy off first, let Cade run, then let Ivy go with the second unit next to Sasser uh, and Grimes like that. Eh, that could work, you know, go a little bit smaller with your second unit, have everybody out there be able to shoot. I, that makes sense to me. I just don't trust that Monty Williams will do it. So I think when like I'm thinking of these lineups, I have to go with the assumption that he is going to play five five backups at one time for at least 10 minutes out of every game, which is terrifying, but it's the reality of how he coaches. Uh, if Gallinari is on the move, and it does sound like he, he, he will be, it will be interesting to see if there's any buyouts, you know, any other buyouts in terms of point guards. I don't really know who would be there, to be honest with you. But maybe you bring somebody else in off the street. Uh, I have no interest in letting Malachi Flynn get run. I I've seen enough. I've watched enough of him with Toronto. Um, I, I have no interest in that. He, he can't do it. So, so selfishly, selfishly, I I'd be all for bringing Spencer Dinwiddie back. It's not going to happen. I don't think he wants to come back here, and it probably doesn't make necessarily a ton of sense for the Pistons considering where they're at in the standings, but I wouldn't be against it personally. Um, and, you know, I, I think it does, you know, I think you just kind of have to expect with Gallinari being with the team in Sacramento, playing in Sacramento, they're on the road, they're on a plane together. He's not dealt at the deadline, but he's in trade rumors, and now he's not with the team. Kind of have to look at the writing on the wall there. So the it does sound like the Pistons will have an open roster spot if what we are expecting happens happens. What do they do with it? I, that's going to be uh, an interesting topic. I mean, at, at this point, they might just be looking at guys in the G League and trying to find someone there that can come up and play a few ten days and see if they impress enough to earn a roster spot. And they might cycle through that two, three, four times until they find someone, but. I think there is some talent in the G League. I'm a big proponent of the G League. So if the Pistons do it right and, and go that way, that's fine. I just don't know if they will because they haven't utilized the G League all year, really. So I just don't – I don't know what to expect in that regard. But, I, I mean, it doesn't really matter, uh, you know, what they do at that last spot. This guy's probably not in the rotation all that, that much moving forward. Most likely, but I will say also, like, I, the reason I do expect the, the lineup to more shake out the way I said is, like, why why trade Monte Morris if you're not going to, like, play one of Shake Milton or, um, or, or Troy Brown Jr., right? Like, trading him for a 20-30 second round pick as that being, like, the, the main focus of your return package doesn't make sense. Like, just hold on to him then. Like, don't, don't get anything and at least give your lineups, you know, your backup uh, uh, lineups, like, uh, a point guard. So, my guess is it is going to be Sasser and Melton. And I think also that makes sense why you would trade for Shake Milton because Monte Morris and Marcus Sasser, both very diminutive guys, defensively, that is an issue for you. Like, even if they both try hard, there's just the realities of size in the NBA, Shake Milton, six foot five, a little bit bigger. So I think he's a guy that defensively you slot in next to Sasser. You say, let's maybe give Sasser a little bit more of like ball handling duties as he has shown the propensity to really get the Pistons bench going with the scoring. Like, even if he's not a great playmaker, if he's hot, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. So I think that you can justify at least trying those two guys together um, and, and maybe 
you know, maybe you shake it up a little bit as the season goes on. You see which rotations work better. Yeah, maybe Fontecchio starts on the bench. Maybe he ends up starting. Like, there are a lot of pieces still to figure out for, for the Pistons. Um, so I would, though, I will say, at minimum, one of Fontecchio or Grimes is going to be starting. I expect it to be Grimes. I don't expect a Sar Thompson uh, to start for the remainder of this season until, of course, they get to, like, the very end of it when they're just sitting guys. Uh, and that's actually, you mentioned my piece. One of the things I didn't talk about in my piece is how Asar Thompson's numbers look next to those combinations of Stewart, Duran, Cade, and Ivy. Those numbers are ugly, like really ugly. And I just don't think that at this point in his development, it really works. Like you can see something in the numbers with combinations of Stewart, Duran, Ivy, and Cade. Like, all of them have some positives to them. That's really not so much the case with Asar. But you know who Asar Thompson does play really well with? Mike Muscala. And I think that for exactly the reason you laid out, having him next to Duran is iffy. I think that's why you got to keep him on the bench. You have to have Mike Muscala out there next to him offensively so that you actually have, like, a shooting threat, um... Uh, on the court next to him you, you can't have him and another non-shooter I just think at this point in his development it doesn't work and they're going to lose those minutes regardless well we will see what happens with Detroit's rotation the first chance we'll have if everyone is through all of the trade process and passes all of the physicals that are required which in Detroit's history it's not always a guarantee that these trades and these physicals go through. We've seen a few trades rescinded uh, in years past. So I still want Monte Hunis. I still want Monte Hunis. I believe. Don't we all? <laughs> but we'll see. Bowl, bowl. Yeah. We could see as early as Saturday what Detroit's rotation looks like. If not, we'll have to wait till shortly after that as the Pistons are on a five-game Western Conference road trip. That's everything we wanted to cover with the trade deadline. We went through every move, talked about what the rotation may look like. All of the different roster moves the Pistons have made and what ended up being a very, very busy deadline after we were told it's probably going to be more of a quiet one for Detroit. Funny how things change. Uh, we were told Bogdanovich probably not going to get moved. Burks could get moved. And Bogdanovich did end up getting moved indeed, as did some other big changes come for Detroit. Jasper, as we wrap up the show, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on? Yeah, first off, we... We lost our bets with Mike Angelano on the over-under from a couple weeks ago. Uh, we both said less than two, two, two and a half trades. They went way over on that one. Um, I also will say, like, look, at the end of it, my final thoughts are that the Pistons roster looks a lot better now, in my opinion, than it did just two days ago. It makes a lot more sense. Um, you have now the ability to unlock your players, your young players more offensively. You've improved your defense. There's no question of that by getting Burks and Bogdanovich off of the roster. Um, so Detroit's roster does look better, but the fact that it looks so much better with frankly, Simone Fontecchio and Quentin Grimes, like two players I like, but far cry from stars. I think that that right there shows exactly why you still cannot trust this front office. Even if these moves are good for the rest of this year, even if they're decent moving forward, the fact that they had to be made and the fact that they were made right now and the fact that just role players, you anticipate changing your team so greatly for the positive. I think that that right there is just, like I said, a total indictment on Troy Weaver, a total indictment on how this entire rebuild has gone. Um, and it does not make me feel more safe. I'm not going into the rest of the season, off season, saying, oh, now the Pistons are in a great place. Oh, now I trust Troy again. No, not at all. I think that it's a, a necessary pivot, but one that should have been made a long time ago. One that shouldn't even have to have been made at all, to be honest. So some positives in, in terms of where they are, but... I still think the overall situation still has to give you a lot of concern. So that's that's where I'm at after this tread deadline. Yeah, we will certainly have more thoughts across the board uh, throughout our entire community 
Again, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, palaceofpistons.com. Really, really need your support there. And we're sending out great content on a weekly basis to the newsletter. Uh, you can follow us all across social media as well on, on X at Palace of Pistons. You can follow myself at A Johnson NBA and Jasper over at, at Blade Cunningham. And then you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, again, TikTok, Palace Pistons. We're growing the page there. Uh, some interesting stuff, interesting content going up there on a daily basis as well. So we definitely, definitely need your support again. Wherever you're listening, leave us a like, leave us a rating, all that good stuff. Drop a comment. We love that interaction. Come tell us what you think of the show. Love or hate, we want to know. We want to interact. So appreciate your support as always. That is going to do it for this week's edition of a Pal- of the Palace of Pistons podcast. A busy week for the Pistons as they enter the stride of a Western Conference road trip. We thank you so much for listening. Again, go over and check out our partners, Bet Online. A lot of good betting opportunities over there if you're interested in that space. And as always, thank you to our host, Believe. This has been another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 